It's my mantra, actually. Challenge, change and transformation. Every single day you face challenges, you deal with them, you affect change. And as a result, you'll transform. So by doing a career development plan, that's really going to help you with that. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow. Hello and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JJ Recruitment Group, specialist payroll recruiters. And today I'm super excited to welcome someone I've known for many years, People Transformations Consultant Elaine Gibson to the show. Now, Elaine has a long career within the payroll industry, and I'm sure many of you listening right now will already be familiar with her. She's a regular guest speaker at many industry-leading events and conferences. Now, for those that aren't familiar, Elaine began her career training as an accountant before she caught the payroll bug, like many of you listening to this right now, and became the HR and payroll services manager for Carlsberg Tetley, where she was responsible for a huge payroll operation and a pensioner's payroll as well. Now, Elaine's passion for payroll grew and led her to joining the CIPP, where she enjoyed an exciting 16-year career, working initially as a payroll trainer, to then leading the policy and research area, where she was involved in numerous government consultations on behalf of members. And I know that many of you out there will already be CIPB members, so you may well have been one of those people that have benefited from Elaine's work. She then progressed to leading the qualifications area, culminating in her becoming education director at the CIPP, where she had responsibility for supporting the CEO with future strategy. Now, Elaine has also been a CIPP tutor at both under and postgraduate levels, and she also coordinated the development and validation of learning programs to master's level. You could say she's really helped put payroll on the educational map, and many of you out there would have benefited from her experience, from her work, and from her knowledge. And as you will soon discover, she's very passionate about payroll, but she's also passionate about developing others. And that's what led her to setting up her own consultancy known as People Transformations Limited. Now, her ethos now is to really see the people she works with flourish. She's passionate about supporting managers. She's passionate about helping leaders become better, which is why she now focuses her time on supporting leaders to help them realize their true potential. And that is the focus of today's show. So without further ado, welcome Elaine Gibson to the Payroll Podcast. How are you feeling today? Really well, and thank you very much, Nick. Wow, I need to live up to that expectation. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. Well, there's so much to cram in. You've done so much. You're so well known. You've worked for the industry body. We're now focused on leadership. Before we jump into the world of leadership, though, I'm going to ask one question I ask all my guests, which is this. What does the word payroll mean to you? It means to me providing a vital service to ensure that people are paid both nationally and globally. Without payroll industry, we would be stuck. And there's a lot more to it than just pressing a button. That is absolutely right. Hallelujah to that. And I know one thing that's, I guess, sometimes overlooked, I think, we talk an awful lot about educational qualifications, upskilling knowledge in the world of payroll, making sure that people have the technical skills. But I think one of the skills, and people will know this from talks I've done in the past, that is often overlooked, is the skill of leadership. So we're going to talk a lot today about improving leadership within payroll operations that many people mm-hmm. that listen to this show are, you know, senior leaders themselves. 
But why in particular did you want to really focus on that area? What was your rationale for choosing improving leadership as today's topic of conversation? I think being a manager of people, when everything is going smoothly, can be a really rewarding role. But obviously things do go wrong. There are issues because it comes with the territory when you're a manager. You're managing people. You're just trying to get the day done. You constantly need to multitask. You're likely to work long hours, but you still need to do the day job. And in the context of payroll, uh, those deadlines are not going to shift. You need to keep your team happy. So it is indeed a very challenging role. And I think one of the areas for me where I have found some real challenges is when you step in to lead in a team that you've never managed before. So it's an existing team and you step in. And the other thing is as well, is that managers are thrust into the role nine times out of 10. I bet most of your listeners who are managers listening to this now have thought, wow, you know, you've stepped into that role and you're like, what now? How do I deal with these issues? How do I you know, make a difference. You're just expected to get on with it without any formal training or education in a lot of cases. So what are the typical issues then that you mentioned the word issues, you're thrust in it. What are the typical issues you might be subject to when you're thrust into that kind of position without knowing the team? Yeah, I think one of the top ones for me is what actually makes people tick. You need to get to know each individual team member understand the nature and you need to be prepared to adapt your management style accordingly you know when dealing with issues and what have you that will help you to actually approach a situation or an individual person who's maybe causing a little bit of an issue if you've already taken some time to get to know those individuals it's going to help you to deal with the situation the other thing that's important there as well is human nature dictates if you're a new manager stepping into a team you're actually an invader in their camp. You know, they've been sat there probably happily ticking along with someone for a few years, maybe longer. That person's hopefully moved on to a promotion or something like that. And then you step in. And human nature is going to dictate there's going to be fears. They're going to wonder what you're going to change, if anything. You know, if it's not broken, don't mend it kind of thing. Yeah. You've got to build their trust because if you don't do that, everything's really going to fall apart. From listening to what you just said then, to summarise from my side, and why I'm hearing is one of the biggest challenges then coming into a business is that employees who may have been happy before, they're taking over, as you mentioned, they can be quite mm-hmm. resistant to change, resistant to, to potentially new ideas coming in. So how do we handle that? What, what's what's the approach that you would you would advise a leader coming in who maybe has a team a little bit resistant to, to them coming in or resistant to change? Yeah, challenging question. It's a common one for all managers, resistance to change. And I think one of the catalysts for that, because there's got to be a reason behind it, I'll get to the point in a minute, but one of the reasons behind that, I think, is that if you've inherited a team, there could be someone sat in that team that's maybe been a team leader for a long time and they've applied for that job and they didn't get it. And so that makes them resistant. So like, why haven't I got the job? I'm not going to be told what to do kind of thing. So straight away, you've got that persistent person in your team that potentially could cause issues for the rest of the team and I think it's just about being sensitive and it's about I said earlier when we first started the conversation about adapting your style to that individual you know taking some time give them some airtime sit them down and just talk it through and hopefully you can get to the crux of their issue why they're resistant and perhaps how to resolve it. 
Sure. Now, if we look at resistance to change and being as potentially the biggest challenge, what are some of the other challenges that managers may face? Maybe not necessarily as a new manager, but just general day-to-day management challenges that perhaps you've even faced yourself in your experience. There's a couple of things, actually. And one of them for me is dealing with difficult situations and conversations. So it just sort of touches on what I've just said. You get situations that crop up all the time and nobody likes confrontation. I don't care who you are. You could be the bravest person in the world. And I I don't like the word confrontation. But when you're dealing with an issue or a problem within your team, it does feel very much like that. You know, so it's just about, you know, being calm. Don't bury your head in the sand. Take a step back and think, okay, I've got this issue to address. You know, how would I feel if I was that person? They know I'm coming. They know I'm knocking on the door and they know I want to have a meeting with them. And I think when you're busy, like I said earlier, you, you know, you're juggling, you're spinning plates and you've got the day job to do. And you can come across a problem and think, oh, my word, do you know what? I've already said this 10 times, but it shouldn't matter how many times you explain it to someone. It's about taking a step back and thinking, well, if I've had to tell them 10 times, there's something wrong with the way I'm getting that information across. So step back, think about it and think about how you'd want to be treated if you was on the receiving end of it. That makes sense. I think also you mentioned something quite interesting there is. People often forget that when you talk about difficult situation there, we talk about the recipient of that information, the person that's yeah. being managed going, oh, no, I know this this, this, is, this meeting's coming. It's not going to be an easy one. But people forget how, how much anxiety it can actually build in the managers themselves. Managers don't like delivering that information. No one likes to deliver bad news. Uh, yeah. How do you manage that kind of level of anxiety? What would be your advice to a manager who has to deliver some difficult information? It's making them anxious about having to deliver it. It's part of their role. What are some mm-hmm. of the coping mechanisms that you would recommend to, to help someone to deliver that information in a less anxious way, shall we say? Mm-hmm. I think what you need to do is, you know, there's a situation and you know you've got to deal with it. So one of the key things is, getting your ducks in a row, basically, gather the information, you know, get to the root of the problem in terms of, you know, what has been said to you. So an example of that could be, you could have every single team member in your team come to you and perhaps have a little moan about one particular individual, you know, and so it's just sort of gathering those facts and then, you know, being able then to have that evidence in front of you so you can sit down with that person and hopefully sensitively, put the information across so it's about being on the front foot so that you feel confident when you sit down to talk to that individual sure and if we reverse engineered it then what would be the potential impact of someone not dealing with difficult behavior or a <laughs> difficult issue i don't know if you've come across that at all i've come across that quite a lot actually and i think it's a dangerous situation be it to be in because uh if you're not going to address an issue you're being watched by your other team members. They maybe know that that situation has occurred and they probably sit, sat there thinking, well, how is he or she going to deal with it? And I think if you can just, if you leave it and you bury your head in the sand, it shows, I think, a sign of weakness. It shows that you're not prepared to deal with things. And the rest of the team will say, what's the point of going to the manager? Because they're just not going to, just not going to deal with it. So you're losing trust, you're losing respect and you're creating a negative team culture, really. No, that makes sense. I know that um, there's a lot of talk at the minute about moving towards a more of a coaching culture, moving away from the command and control style of leadership. Have you seen that evolution start to take place in the world of payroll yet? Or is it something you think would work effectively in the world of payroll? You know, I have, um, because prior to 
starting my own business, People Transformations, as you've mentioned. I worked for an organisation that was a payroll provider and I was the director of people and quality there. So who's in the title, uh, dealt with everything people. I had a situation where I needed to implement a strategy to try and address more global issues within the organisation. And the only way around that to me was development, some form of learning and development. Yeah. And it was a challenge because I had a very diverse senior leadership team, you know, so they ranged from, you know, young individuals and more mature people like myself who may not want to go down the route of formal learning, but everybody had a, a hunger to learn. So I did a bit of a survey with everybody. And anyway, I found a programme actually that was a generic online program but it wasn't enough to deal with the issues that I needed so it did part of the job for me so what I did was I invested in this program so it wasn't academic formal learning it was a roll your sleeves up hands-on approach that give practical tools but I built a framework around it and part of that framework was timetabled it you know a number of modules timetabled it but as part of it Every module we did, and there were seven of them, I conducted coaching sessions. And I found that, so group coaching sessions, I would conduct one-to-one if it was needed, because you could tell by the people sat in front of you whether they needed that. But, you know, it was amazing because what it did, it gave those individuals who were sat in front of me a voice. It gave them an opportunity to share their issues and problems and actually share best practice. And to be honest, I was absolutely amazed at some of the hidden problems that came out um, and we was able to put projects in place and things like that to address those issues. So I think coaching generally is a really good way to go because it it makes things real, hands-on, you know, roll your sleeves up and let's deal with the problem sort of thing. Well, we know as well coaching hopefully drives responses from the recipients and allows them to try to find their own answers to potential problems, which obviously can help build purpose and build value. In, In the current world of payroll, where do you see the distinction differ between what is a leader and what is a manager? I'll let you take it from there because there's a giggle coming, so... Yeah, I sort of love that question and love that question because it's one of the things over the years I've, I've, um, when I was teaching on the master's program for the the CIPP, the business and management one, and one of the modules I owned was leadership and personal development. And in that, we talked a lot about leadership and management. And to be quite honest with you, it depends who you speak to. What the organisation is, it's makeup, it's build, because it's contentious. Leadership and management do cross over. And to my mind, the management bit is like, I don't know, you've got a hierarchical team within your organisation. You've got different levels of management within there. So you may have a manager of a specific team. But above that, you've got a head of department. So to me, you've got a manager doing the manager, which is the hands-on stuff, the day-to-day, but the head of department then should be responsible for the strategic outlook of that team and planning the goals and aims of that team and and, and dealing with some of the really big issues and projects that need dealing with. There's loads of academia on this subject and one person will argue with another what management and what leadership means, but that's my interpretation of it. Leadership is more strategic than the actual management itself. 
That's interesting. Well, it's good to have a uh, an expert give a give a view on it because, as you say, there's so many different <laughs> views on on what it is. Um, I mean, I know that uh, from my perspective, my understanding, because uh, it probably differs again, which is probably, uh, I guess, confirms your point. I like the idea that anyone can be a leader, but not everyone is a manager. And I think leading yeah. for me is is related to purpose and value and how you present yourself. So the idea of you can lead by example, I think you can you can lead in many ways and, and at any level, and that's about yes providing an example yeah. to others in the way that you present yourself. And I think uh, that's why, for me, no matter who you are, what level within payroll, yeah. you can still be yeah. perceived to be a leader in that space, whether that's through yeah. writing and curating content, whether it's making sure you are the best you can possibly be within your function. If you can lead yourself, yeah. by example, then I think you can really yeah. rise above the power pit. And I think that's what makes payroll so exciting now as well. There's so many different pathways in the world of payroll. You're someone that obviously has, has had a, a varied career in the world of payroll, which is great. It's a great example for people who perhaps, you know, don't necessarily know what direction to take because you've held roles as a tutor, as a manager of large departments in education. Now you have your own consultancy. What advice would you give to a manager or a leader that's listening to this right now who perhaps feels a little bit stagnant in, in, in where they are, aren't quite sure what direction to take next? You've been there, you've done it, Lane. What advice would you give to that individual? I think what they need to do is perhaps take a step back and reflect. Look at the career to date, where they are now, and think, where do I want to be in the future? And set themselves a career development plan. Put down some goals and some some, some deadlines and think, okay, I'm managing a team of people in the organisation where I am now. But I want that head of department job one of these days. Like you say, leadership can be, I agree with that concept at different levels. And think about all the good things that you've done. Document them. Put yourself up on a pedestal. And even be brave enough, you know, in one of your one-to-ones or your performance review, however however it works in your organisation, and take your career development plan. Because as a people director in my previous role, I would have loved it if people would have come to me with that kind of like vision and passion, because to me, it shows that they really want to get on. And do you know what? I'd be sat there thinking, do you know what? You are a head of department of the future. You're going on my succession planning list. And if there isn't the scope in the organisation, I don't want to be controversial and say, look for another job, but look for another job. (laughs) Sure. I mean, there are lots of opportunities, aren't there now? You, you make your own look in life and if you want to go for it you know set your aims high and, and really go for it because if you set your goals high so long as you come somewhere close eventually you've achieved absolutely right so what would that for you what would that personal development plan look like would it start with something like a SWOT analysis and for those not familiar that's like strengths weaknesses opportunities threats is that where you'd start or would you take it would you be more granular what would that look like I think I'd start looking at it from a basic point of view to start with, you know, write your own like little story of where you are now, where you want to be and how you want to get there or how you feel you can get there. You know, think about the people that you've come across in your career to date, you know, and think, well, is there anybody I can perhaps go to or talk to? Make the most of any learning opportunities you can get. I mean, for instance, like on LinkedIn, there's loads of courses on there that you can do to sort of upskill yourself a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, do you but do your SWOT analysis after you've done that more granular process in your mind, something nice and simple, then start to do the SWOT analysis around it to sort of 
focus it more so that you can you then got a direction and you know where to go this is the one of the things that I used to do with learners in in that module because it was the first module on the master's course that was the catalyst and the trigger point for the rest of the course so they'd set that career development plan once it's in place it might change as you as you go along you keep referring back to it and you'll be surprised actually if you if you're prepared to do it you'll be surprised how you progress yeah I would agree I think um it's an interesting process because it highlights it gives you an individual opportunity to write down their strengths which is always a nice thing to have you know be reminded of even if you're reminding yourself but also the opportunities that that promotion or or change can can provide you, but also your weaknesses. You mentioned their training and development opportunities. By putting down where your weaknesses are and Mm -hmm. writing them down, committing them to paper, can be a great way of just understanding, actually, where do I need some learning and development support here? Where do I need to go? What courses can I do? Who do I need to speak to? To to, to turn those weaknesses into strengths, which I know is a bit of a cliche, but you can't do it unless you've recognised them in the first place. So where are those opportunities to develop that training? And what are the threats? What's going to stop me from doing that? Maybe it's time, maybe it's energy, whatever. Yeah. I think when you have that plan written down, it does give you a really good platform to work from in terms of your, your next sort of stage in your, your career. I think it's a really good point. Have you ever asked yourself, how can can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Absolutely. And I think in terms of, I don't like the word weaknesses. I never have. But, you know, to me, the opposite of that, and you've touched, you've just mentioned it, is opportunities. Any any weakness can be turned into an opportunity. And, and something else that I came across this, it's my mantra, actually, challenge, change and transformation. Every single day you face challenges, you deal with them, you affect change. And as a result, you'll transform. So by doing a career development plan, that's really going to help you with that. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Something that we, we see really, really prevalent in the world of, certainly in the world of HR, obviously I show HR and podcast, which talks about this a lot. We hear a lot about linking values and behaviours to mission statements and purpose. Mm-hmm. And that if you have, if you feel that you're culturally aligned with your brand, with your company, actually it leads to greater success. What experience have you, have you found in your experience? Either? What, what, are, what have you discovered, if you like, in terms of the relationship between values, behaviours and purpose and leadership and performance? Yeah, I I think with with this, and hopefully this is the approach that you was expecting in a response, Nick, I think it's a hard concept for your workforce to get the head around sometimes because they're that busy doing the day job. Yeah. And especially if they're maybe not quite so high in the hierarchy, if you're in that type of organisation or you're just learning your job, the values should be in the forefront of your mind, you know, the, the mission of the organisation, but it's not always. And I think what you need to do as an organisation, it's one of the things I did in my previous, well, in, in numerous roles, actually, is to get the team involved and, and, and sort of have sessions about the values. 
and link it to the performance management system yeah. as well to sort of say, do you feel like you're contributing to the values of our organisation, the overall aim? So to me, it's about keeping them alive. You've got to keep them alive. And if you can get your organisation involved, you know, your teams in developing them as well, because they might be up for review, the company might have evolved, it might have moved on. And so I've run a number of of sessions where we've had representatives from all over the organisation and they sit down and they talk and they blue sky it and, you know, we come up with key words and form the values to to fit the organisation's vision and mission. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a great point. I absolutely believe that um, from my perspective, an appraisal process should be linked to values and behaviours of the organisation. Absolutely. I think top top performers um, in any environment, in, in, and if you look at top performance, whether that's accuracy rate, sales, whatever, doesn't necessarily mean you should automatically be the next person that becomes the next manager or leader. Top performers aren't always the best managers or leaders, but those that embody yeah. the values, beliefs, behaviours that are, you know, are set out by a business actually can sometimes be more important than just the overall numbers and i think by linking it all together it makes people think more holistically about about how you know how they need to act and behave within a business to to, to move forward uh, but also Absolutely. the kind of behaviors that generate respect from others and i think that's really yeah. important yeah as i say it's important to to keep them alive and as we've touched on by building them in, into the performance review i think it helps people to see where they fit but they are an important cog in the wheel. It doesn't matter what they're doing in that organisation. They're employed for a reason and yeah. it's vital. Um, but I think so long as they can understand how they're helping that business to move forward, then, yeah, keep the values alive. Agreed. And with all the experience you've got then to date, um, Elaine, how has it led you to where you are today? Tell me a little bit about your, your current journey and your, your current business. And, and yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, (laughs) it's a leap of faith. I mean, I've worked for the CIPP, as you mentioned, for a lot of years, just just literally under 16 years. And I was approached by the chief exec of the company that I was working for years and years. And it, it took about six years of conversations before I decided to do it. And I thought, you know what? If I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. It's a door that's opening. It's an opportunity. I couldn't go any further where I was unless I stepped into the chief exec role and and that wasn't available. And there was no guarantee I would ever get it if I ever applied for it anyway. So I thought, you know what, I've got a chance here to make a real difference. So I joined um, with Dataplan, Payroll Limited, as one of the directors. So there was four of us. And I was like the people pillar, if you like. There were four pillars. And so everything people. And I was able to put a lot of what I've learned over the years into practice. And do you know what was great? After being in the CIPP, which I loved, and if you cut me through with a sticker rock, I would have CIPP through my veins mm-hmm. because I'm still passionate about the organisation and what they stand for. But I was able to put a lot of strategies in place to help develop the people at the organisation and actually stepping into industry. Wow. What an eye opener after being out of industry for 16 years. Sure. I'd liaise with industry. I'd had meetings with industry. I'd been to consultation. But until you're actually on the shop floor, you can't really know what's going on. And so I spent a lot of time sitting with the individuals and observing, having conversations with them. And so the job was great, put lots of different things in place. But then a few things came my way, a few little hints. And I thought, you know what? 
I've got to a stage in my life now, I'm on the more mature side of the spectrum. And I thought, if I don't do this now, I've always, always wanted to work for myself. Yeah. And so all these experiences to date and the fact that I've been able to develop people because I'm passionate about it and it's giving something back by doing what I'm doing now and setting up my own business, my own consultancy, I'm in control of that. And I can do that and I can do all the things that I love doing. So, yeah, that's that's sort of what brought me where I am today. School of hard, yeah, the school of hard knocks, you know, some formal education and, and building up lots of experience. And then my heat today. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I would also obviously make sure the link for anyone interested in, um, in in getting involved with your services are in the show notes. We'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, I, I want to go back to one of my first questions, really, which was, at the moment, there's a as, as we mentioned at the start of the show, there's a lot of investment in payroll teams investing in payroll qualifications, many of which you've had an influence in nice. setting up Elaine. So, you know, mm, you know big mm. qualifications, there are other qualifications out there as well and, and different courses. Yeah. And that's all great. And they're absolutely valid. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I personally do believe there's a lack of support or acknowledgement that actually there's a, a, a skill that needs to be developed in teams, which is around leadership and effective management. From your perspective, and obviously you're working in this space now, do you think there needs to be a bigger shift? Was this? Uh, I may be incorrect. I don't. I'm not a pearl manager myself. So no, you know, no, valid, it's not valid me. Yeah. Do you think there's a lack of focus on leadership skills within payroll and developing those? I do, from my experience, especially working in industry for three plus years, it's very apparent because you know I mentioned it earlier. A lot of people are in the right place at the right time. So they're offered a position because they're good at the job. They're good at the yeah. technical side of the job. So thrust into this management stroke leadership role and they're like, oh, wow, you know, okay, I've got this to deal with. So they're really quite green. When it comes to qualifications, what I observed is that there is definitely a place for those academic qualifications Absolutely. for the more senior people. When it comes to people on the ground who are doing the payroll, then it's your technical skills that you need without a shadow of a doubt. However, you've got people at levels, maybe they're not heads of department, they're not senior managers, but they might be team leaders. You know, so they might be, well, it says it in the name, doesn't it? Back to your point on leadership, Nick, they're leading a team of people at a certain level. And sometimes they just don't know how to deal with it. And it manifests in relationship problems, team problems, people knocking at my door as they did when I was in the office at, um, at work. And so I said, I've got this issue. I don't know how to deal with it. So actually, I think for all levels, anybody who's managing an individual or a team, I think they will definitely benefit from a level of development, whether it's in-house from somebody experienced or whether it's formal training, consultancy, you know, it's whatever that organisation needs and that individual needs, really. And and that's that's to a certain extent, that's where I can come in, because if people are unsure, they just pick up the phone and talk it through with me. No obligation whatsoever. You know, but I am passionate about that. Sure. So what, what would be and I know the answer Well, some of the answers because I've worked <laughs> with in, in my day to day job. I'm going to ask you as the expert on today's show. What are the, some of the ramifications for a business not investing in effective leadership? Oh, yeah. I think if your leadership team isn't performing as well as it should, you're going to have unhappy people. There's probably likely to be a severe lack of communication. 
if you've got teams that are, you know, if you've got an organisation that's multifaceted and you've got one team that relies on another team, so team A does their job and team B picks up and does the next step, if things aren't working right and the proper leadership isn't there, so the communication falls down, the job either isn't done very well or it's not done at all, and that's going to have a knock-on. Ultimately, everybody's in business to make money. And your people are your asset that can make that happen. So if you look after them and invest in them a bit and give them some development, then your productivity or the service that you provide is bound to improve. Yeah, couldn't agree more. For those listening on audio, I was nodding all the way through that. Are you absolutely right? We know that uh, as recruiters here, that one of the, the biggest reasons people choose to change employers is due to them not liking a leader, not liking the way they're managed, not feeling like they have a succession plan in place. And you can love your manager, but if you haven't got a succession plan, that's one of the biggest reasons you might want to move. So making those things clear, talking about professional development plans, which you've discussed in some detail today. But also we know, because we're recruiters, it can be expensive as well. If you lose your staff, replacing talent can be expensive. Attracting talent can be expensive. Having to retrain them all over again can be expensive. And I think that if you do invest in leadership earlier, early doors, actually you can save an awful lot of costs further down the line. But in addition to that, as you as you very articulately mentioned there, you also build morale within the business. You build investment yeah. from the employees. They feel bought yeah. in, they feel supported, they feel invested in. And I think that's all going to contribute to overall well-being and happiness within the firm, which then improves communication, improves performance and so on and so forth. So it feels surprising to me that more companies aren't investing in leadership as a skill and aren't investing in either external training, consultancy, whatever it might be. But hopefully yeah. they listen to this. <laughs> it, it might get people getting in touch. I could be wrong. And again, it's probably a bit subjective, but um, I think maybe that this kind of training could be seen potentially as a bit of a luxury. Yeah. But to, in today's times, I mean, we know things are tight. Budgets are going to be tight. Training budgets probably are bound to be cut. But if you're in a situation where you want to retain your people, you can't afford to perhaps increase their salaries and wages and things like that. But sometimes by giving and providing that bit of development opportunity can mean a lot to people. If you get into the academic world and you start talking about hygiene factors and things like that and what, what makes people tick and what make peace, makes people happy, why do they want to stay in a job? One of the things that comes out quite regularly as a, a, a popular choice is, is, is being invested in by your organisation. Absolutely. Not just for salaries, because it, it's not always just about going to work, is it? And getting your salary. It's about the whole package. It's the whole thing. It certainly is now. I think um, we've, we've moved away. I mentioned command and control earlier. It used to be about coming to work and being told what to do. But now um, we're seeing a massive culture shift where employees have a voice, and rightly so. And uh, people want to yeah, go to work and feel totally. respected, vested in. They want a good work-life balance. Uh, they want to feel there's a succession plan for them and there's a future for them. And you know what? If they haven't got it, in the world of power right now, as a competitive market, there's the cliche of saying it's a war for talent. But they people can leave and find someone that will. So I think it's absolutely right that, that companies really take this on board and, and do consider leadership as being an essential part of their investment strategy for training and development within the world of payroll, which I think is a relatively new concept for many, but an absolutely essential and critical one. Yeah, it is. And and yeah, the evidence spoke for itself in my previous job because by implementing the management development programme that I did bring in and building the framework around it, we conducted a pilot actually first off with just a, a certain number of individuals. And it was unbelievable, the change in those people. You could see the transformation as they were going through it. 
Uh, and at the end of it, it, you know, language changed, behaviour changed. Yeah. And it, it was all pointing towards a set of particular competences and behaviours as well that we were aiming for people to grasp and learn. There were some real tangible results from it. Fantastic. Well, last question before we open the vault, Elaine, is this. How do you view the future of leadership then within payroll? Oh, <laughs> that's a nice wide question. I think the future of leadership in payroll needs to be marked as a priority, really. I think I've already touched on, as we've spoken, you know, the fact that your leadership team is the catalyst to success and providing, a, in the in the realms of payroll anyway, a fantastic service, whether it's in-house or whether you're a service provider, you know. So, yeah, I think I think it's time that maybe organisations did start investing in it more. I think you've given me the headline there. Leadership is your catalyst to success. There we go. There's a great place to finish that part of the show. We're going to open the vault, Elaine. So three short, sharp questions. Entering the vault. One okay. piece of advice is the first one you would give to someone working in payroll right now. Stick with it because, do you know what? It doesn't matter what level you're at. Doors can open. Payroll has transformed my career. As I say, I started off in accountancy, got the payroll bug. And over the years, I never, ever thought that, for instance, I would end up being the education director at the CIPP or, or where yeah. I am now. So it can really open doors. It's a good career. Fantastic. Good career. I'll, I'll, I'll second that. Uh, if you had the power of foresight and could change the entire payroll industry with one action or one improvement, what would that action or improvement be? I don't know whether this is going to be controversial, but actually, I think if I had it in my power to regulate the industry, because you've got the accountants out there, there's similar jobs in a way. I mean, payroll is like an applied science. It's critical to every organisation. It's one of the biggest costs to business. And the amount you only need to speak to the CIPP or the payroll centre or other organisations out there, the Global Payroll Association, the legislation that you have to follow is immense. And so why I think regulation would give recognition and really push the profession right up on a pedestal. Well, you're not the first to bring that up either. We had Kate Upcraft many, many um, episodes ago talking about bringing in ministerial governance for payroll. So mm. you know, you're not alone in that controversial um, <laughs> suggestion. So that's that's a good thing. And if anything that raises the profile of payroll, I think we'll get people will get behind. Uh, so yeah. last question, a bit of fun. If payroll were a song or a movie, what song or movie would it be and why? Go Dolly Parton working nine to five. There you go. I love that song as well. It's a cracker. Excellent. A lovely, well, a lovely way to finish the show as well. Of course, if those are uh, any of you out there are interested in finding out more about Elaine's services or want to get in touch, I have put Elaine's email into the show notes. It's e.gibson at payrolltransformations.co.uk. So go straight through to the show notes. You can find that. And I'll also put a link to Elaine's LinkedIn profile as well. So feel free to reach out a connections request and Elaine will come back to you with, uh, with anything you might need in the world of management or leadership support. And of course, if you are a payroll leader or manager listening to the show and you need support with a payroll related vacancy well that's where we come in please do get in touch with either myself or any of my wonderful team here at jj recruitment and we would love to show you what a great payroll recruitment experience can look like you can contact me at nick at jjrecruitment.com or of course go to our website jgarecruitment.com just to say a huge thank you again to lane gibson for joining me today on today's show of the payroll podcast i look forward to bringing you the next episode real soon thank you elaine my pleasure thank you nick Thank you so much for tuning into the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment. 
If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.